everyone, and welcome to Valley Praise's unique women's podcast, where we seek to create ministry that honors and reaches women in new ways. I'm your host, Melissa Zapeta. Today's special guest is Dr. Michael Muniz. He is a pharmacist here in Harlingen, Texas, that graduated from Texas A&M College of Pharmacy in Kingsville, Texas. He is also the owner of Crave Market and My New RX Pharmacy in Harlingen, Texas. Welcome to our podcast. Well, welcome, Michael. Thank you for coming so much um, to this podcast. Um, I know you've been traveling from city to city, helping um, out people with the COVID-19 pandemic. I know you're probably exhausted, so we appreciate you making the time to come out here and being with us. Thank you for having me. (laughs) So this podcast is about hormones and how there is hope for all of us going through all of these hormonal changes. But before we get into that, can you just tell us a little bit about what you've witnessed in El Paso and Austin and even here locally with this pandemic? And in your opinion, do you see that it's getting better? So, yeah, you know, the good thing is, you know, I've been dealing with COVID for some time now. My grandpa, my mother got COVID, and that's when I started looking at a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, started working with a, a provider, PA, Vanessa Cobrubias, and just started looking at studies and how things are going. You know, everything was changing from month to month, minute to minute, right? Mm-hmm. And so we just started looking at all the data and what was out there. And a lot of the data initially was very limited. There wasn't a lot of stuff out there. Um, but with A4M, um, metabolic nutritional medicine, people that I'm part of, they were talking about some smaller studies that were out there um, in China, Brazil, different places, and in their initial results. And so that's when we started like, okay, let's grab some of this, let's grab some of that. And let's just try and feed the body, right? The, mm-hmm. the, the nutrition it needs as well, because we know that majority of these patients have comorbidities and a lot of issues. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it was just like replacing that. And so when I went to El Paso, I didn't know what to expect, you know? Um, in El Paso, it, it, it was a field hospital. So patients were in the hospital and then they would send them to us. So over there, our patients were sick COVID patients. And so we got to work together with the doctors and uh, trying to help institute processes, making sure that the patients were getting the right stuff. If there was any changes, you know, letting the doctors know, hey, this new study's out here. This is what Mm -hmm. they're using. Let's look at maybe changing some of our processes. Um, We were able to see new therapies that came out. So like monoclonal antibodies, uh, bamlanivimab is one from Lilly. And, you know, we saw the great results and initially we didn't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. Right. And so as I read the research and started looking at adverse events and stuff like that, there really was no problem with it. It wasn't going in and changing DNA. Like some people feel the vaccine's going to do to them. Mm-hmm. And so being able to, to look at the new treatment options that were coming out and then seeing um, how well they actually were working for patients. Cause we were actually following up with patients and saying, Hey, you know, did you end up in the hospital? Did, did you get worse? Mm-hmm. So we were able to talk to patients and say, Hey, you know what, if you experience this, start using this. And then we started looking at, okay, well, do we pre-treat patients, you know, uh, with these therapies? Cause the studies that were out there, uh, initially when they first came out, they were only, I think there was about 300 patients in their initial trial that was granted this EUA by, uh, the government. And, at the site in El Paso, we had already done at one point, I think right now we're already at 1,500 patients, but we were already at, let's say, 500 patients, wow. which was a lot higher than they had there. And then here in Harlingen, same thing, much higher. So monoclonal antibodies, I can tell you, they do amazing things. Yes, there's occasionally sometimes some issues that patients may have. I don't see that as part of the antibodies. I think just the pre-existing conditions patients have. Mm. I think the it's getting better. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see the numbers here in Cameron County, they're going down, uh, which is good. Um, 
But at the same time, I, I encourage people just to keep doing what they need to be doing, wearing their mask, social distancing. Um, you know, they got to continue living, right? And right. so, you know, you got to go out and exercise, you do things. But if you're around people, just cover your mask or move away from people. Mm-hmm. And as we're seeing that, we're seeing a lot of other diseases go down. So a lot of people will say, oh, well, all of a sudden we don't have any flu. Right. Right. Well, a lot of it is because we're wearing masks now, right? And right. if we would think about it, well, during flu season, if we were to wear masks and practice social distancing, we probably wouldn't have the number of flu cases True. that we do every year. True. But then you also have the students, right? The students are not in school. A lot of them are learning remotely. And that's a huge, huge part of it as mm-hmm. well. And I think if we see more kids going to these schools during the pandemic, if until the numbers are really, really low all the time, it can just turn into a super spreader event. You know, yeah. so... I think the way that the, the school districts are handling it, the government, you know, everybody's doing their best job. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just getting the resources out there quickly. And that's the problem, right? So we yeah. have so many millions of people and trying to get that as quickly, it's not going to happen. So everybody has to do their part. And right, so right. overall, I'd say it's getting much better. And as long as you practice those basic things of wearing your mask, social distancing, wash your hands, your risk is minimal. And so I've been dealing with this, like I said, for some time now. Yeah. And that's exactly what we do. Decrease your contact time next to somebody. I would go see my grandma, my grandfather and my mother who were sick COVID and the whole family was inside the house, mm-hmm. wear my mask all the time, wash my hands mm-hmm. and nothing happened. Yeah. yeah. Right. So it's well, great. It's good to know that it is going down and that um, we thank you so much for, like I said, going to all these places and keep helping us to learn more so we can do our part, you know, as well, like you said, but, um, but anyway, okay. So on to the hormones now. (laughs) So Michael, I know when I was going through all these symptoms, um, the hormonal changes, um, and all the, the, the knowledge that you gave me just, you know, put me at ease and you were so easy to talk to and you were so knowledgeable about, um, the hormones and why I was feeling, you know, the different ways that I was feeling. Um, and you explained to me, you know, like I said, why these things were happening. Uh, then you offered a solution to help minimize and in some cases to even get rid of some of these symptoms altogether. Um, can you talk to us about some of the different hormonal changes that women go through, especially during their 30s and 40s? And I'm going to say 50s because I'm in my 50s. <laughs> <laughs> and how you can um, get some of them treated. So... A lot of it is symptoms, right? So we see a lot of women in their 30s um, as they're approaching their 40s. They start to have issues with insomnia. That's a very, very common thing. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them feel like, well, it's because I'm burned out. You know, a lot of them have children at this time. They're not getting enough sleep. Um, women sometimes will start having depression issues, right? And mm-hmm. so the doctors, the quick, easy fixes, let's put you on an antidepressant. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of those things, when you go back and look at it in a, in a female body with hormones, it's because their progesterone levels are starting to go down. After the age of 35, you start seeing a huge decline in progesterone. So when women come in, they start, I start asking them questions like, how's your sleep? You know, are you sleeping six and a half to eight hours a night? You know, uh, how's your stress levels? You know, do you get tired midday? Just trying to figure out what's going on with them. Uh, that kind of will push me just because of their age group. Okay, let's look at more of a progesterone issue. Um, have they had issues conceiving children, right? How are their menstrual cycles are they heavy are they not heavy you know are they regular irregular um and so those are things that we also want to be looking at right and so but the biggest thing for women in their 30s in their 40s is if they're starting to have the insomnia and the anxiety and depression 
more than likely it's a hormonal issue. Um, as you move into your 40s, the symptoms can start getting worse, right? Your body will still continue to produce estrogen, um, but it's not producing enough progesterone. So there's this balance that actually has to happen between progesterone and estrogen, right? And women become estrogen dominant. So all of a sudden we start seeing these women get this central obesity, right? They mm-hmm. start gaining this weight around the midsection. They're like, I don't know what it is. And when women come in and we start looking at that, it's like, oh, it's because you're estrogen dominant now. Um, and so then we have to measure levels. Uh, and even in, in the younger women in the 30s, we like to measure levels. And we use a saliva test. That's the most uh, accurate gold standard thing that I like to use mm-hmm. just to make sure that we're looking at the perfect numbers. Um, and then we make recommendations off of there. But, you know, by age group, you're able to, to see what is going to happen to a patient. Mm-hmm. And then you go based off of symptoms, and then you start tweaking things, right? Are they tired all the time? Okay, they're tired, and they have all this fatigue. How is their sleep, right? Um, their sleep's great. You know, they can sleep t- 10, 12 hours a day because they're so tired. Then we start looking at adrenal glands, and like, okay, why are they stressed? What's causing so much stress in their body? And sometimes it could be nutrition, the food that they're consuming. Sometimes it's work. Sometimes it's personal life, you know, marriage. There's a lot of different things uh, that could be causing that stress. And so sometimes it's just toxins, too, that they're exposed to, right? And so we want to make sure and look at all those things and see, like, okay, how well is the liver working? Can we fix the liver quickly? Um, so when you look at things um, and with hormones for women, uh, the biggest thing is identifying the simple symptoms that they have, which, again, I'm going to say, the insomnia, the anxiety, uh, the depression. Um, then you start looking at the libido issues, right? Libido starting to go down, so we start looking at testosterone levels. But sometimes it's not even that. Sometimes it's just because they're not sleeping well. And then you start getting to the women that are in their 50s, and all of a sudden they start having the hot flashes, the night sweats. And then it sometimes will happen like mid-40s, late-40s. And these are all women that have not um, had surgery, like a hysterectomy, where they remove the ovaries. It's just straight. They still have all their moving parts. Um, so when you start talking to women in their 50s and they start having these symptoms, now you start thinking, okay, so now it's an estrogen issue. They were okay with progesterone, but now their estrogen is just coming down and now they're just becoming almost a train wreck, mm-hmm. uh, kind of, in their hormone stance, right? Right. Um, and so then we start, okay, let's, let's look at replenishing those things. And you start looking at um, other symptoms, right? So the hot flashes, night sweats, um, uh, vaginal dryness is another thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes that can be a reason why their libido is so low, right? Um, sometimes they start having recurrent UTIs. Um, and these are th- all things that we look at in women. And then we start like, okay, well, let's try and tweak your hormones mm-hmm. um, to help you. Now, I'll talk th- on hormones real quick is that the hormones that we produce in URX um, are bioidentical, okay? So they are synthetic because they are produced in a lab but they're the same chemical structure of what your body produces. Right. So your body knows exactly how to break these up, you know, and how to actually uh, metabolize them and use them in your body. Where there's synthetic ones out there like methyl progesterone, medoxyprogesterone, I mean, um, there's some ethyl estradiols, a bunch of other um, synthetic hormones that it's pretty much like it's say you have a circle. Mm-hmm. What we make is we give you another circle. But what the pharmaceutical companies do is they'll give you a circle with a little arm on the side. That little arm actually makes it last longer, right? And so we actually want your body to have the exact same stuff of what your body knows what to, 
how do you break it down? Um, so when you look at the results and we start, okay, let's slowly start raising these up in a woman, now all of a sudden they start feeling amazing. And women that actually still have their uterus and ovaries, sometimes they'll start menstruating again. And they're like, no, I don't want this. So we just tweak the numbers down a little bit lower and we can mm-hmm. actually stop it. Um, but it's, all we're doing is giving your body what it needs. So people say, hey, I'm dehydrated. I need fluids. Okay, we give you fluids. Or, uh, you know, patients that are going to have scurvy and we want to give them some vitamins, right? So we can do that to, to prevent it. That's all we're doing is we're giving you what your body needs. Right, right. right. You need vitamin D in your body. Okay, we're going to give you the active vitamin D if we need to, right? And so we'll use vitamin D3 over vitamin D2. Um, but there's more to just hormones, right? There's the sex hormones and there's thyroid hormones. There's the mm-hmm. gut. And a lot of times if, if women aren't eating right, that's one of the first things that we go to. Like, let's fix your gut first and see if that helps out. Right. Because sometimes your depression, your serotonin and stuff, 70% of your serotonin is produced in your gut. Mm-hmm. So if you eat crappy, you're going to feel it in, 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 in your moods, right? And so right. Um, that's one of the first things I always go with. And so a lot of your clients that you've sent over to us, we know a lot of them are already eating right. You know, they're well, I eating. I hope they are. So. <laughs> well, mostly, well, yeah, then yeah. we start talking to like Karen yeah. Salinas and some of the right. meals she's producing with some people and right. stuff. We look at those things and we're like, okay, well, they're eating pretty well, right? right? Okay, what's the next thing? Are they deficient in something? What are mm-hmm. some of the other symptoms they may be having? And then, okay, you know what? Yes, you know what, I do recommend that you have some sex hormones. And then we work with many different practitioners to get the prescriptions in there and explain to the doctors that don't know about it how to actually treat it and, and what to look for with patients. Yes, and that's, that's what I love about um, your pharmacy is how you work with the community and, um, and you do try to go as you know, natural as you can to, to help because, you know, in the long run, um, you know, that's what's going to benefit the, your patients and your clients as well. Um, so I know that um, you're an active runner and a cyclist, and you like to exercise regularly as well. Um, can you talk to us about the importance of staying active and how this affects our hormones and our immune system? I know you touched on it a little bit, but just the importance of it. Yeah, it's very important, especially, you know, just any kind of physical activity. It actually will help boost your, your immune system, which right now in a pandemic is something that we really need to be doing. Um, I can tell you the last four months working 13-hour days, mm-hmm. seven days a week, uh, it gets very tiring. Um, so a lot of times my running three, four, or five miles that I was used to, I mean, three miles daily was on average. Mm-hmm. I mean, now it's mainly just coming down to lunges, squats, push-ups, you know, just still doing something to stay active. Right. Um, but we're very limited. But it's important. I think everybody needs to understand that. When you're not active, um, you're not able to burn as many calories. Your body's not able to go through different processes to actually um, produce hormones, right? Because our body has a bunch of uh, feedback mechanisms. And when you actually start exercising, giving that aerobic exercise in there as well, and um, some strength training as well, that your body starts activating different things, right? Mm-hmm. Your genes start turning on for things that it needs. But... If you're just at home doing nothing, you're going to have a lot more issues, right? right? You have a lot more chance of getting an infection and becoming diabetic, having mm-hmm. high blood pressure. Um, so it's, it's important that people really, really look at what can I do? And it, and it doesn't have to be anything crazy. So when I was 300 and something pounds, you know, and I first thing I did was change my diet. Okay. Yeah. And then after I lost enough weight, then I started walking. You know, I couldn't jog much. If I jogged, I could jog maybe 50 yards. Mm-hmm. And then I was done. Right. Yeah. 
so it was just like a slow process. Okay, let me right. walk and then jog, walk and then jog, walk yeah. and jog, walk. And then finally I was able to run three miles and then three turned to six and then six turned to ten. Mm-hmm. But you got to start somewhere, right? right. You got to start just moving. And I think in the very beginning with the pandemic, with the, everything getting shut down, it was hard. But mm-hmm. I see more and more people out there walking at the city lake mm-hmm. and just getting, you know, the breeze from, you know, the air, the vitamins, uh, I mean, the, the sunshine. Yeah. It's all great stuff. You know, yeah. we're starting to see some of the gyms open up. Um, so I think people out there just need to know that you need to really um, engage in some kind of physical exercise. Right. To boost your immune system and actually help your body recover much better. Right, right. Well, I, you know, I'm a firm believer in exercise and also changing your diet as much as we can. So that's great advice. So um, well, we thank you so much for all your advice and information today. Um, it's good to know that there is hope when we are going through all of these hormonal changes for sure and in the pandemic and everything else we're going through. So um, we thank you so much for giving uh, for coming in today. So those of y'all just listening, he literally just drove in all the way from Austin and came here to do this podcast with us. So um, we truly appreciate um, you taking the time to do that so that we can help keep others safe as much as we can. So thank you again for, the, for that. Um, you've been listening to Valley Praise's Unique Women's Podcast, where we've been talking with Dr. Michael Muniz. Um, so until then, take care. And next time, uh, remember uh, to go out and transform your life in Christ so you can go out and transform others.